Hi, this is Tiffany Bova. Welcome to this edition of the What's Next podcast, where I have the pleasure of welcoming Mark Hirschberg to the show today. From tracking criminals and terrorists on the dark web to creating marketplaces and new authentication systems, Mark has spent his career launching and developing new ventures at startups and Fortune 500s and in academia. He helped to start the Undergraduate Practice Opportunities Program, dubbed MIT's Career Success Accelerator, where he teaches and also at Harvard Business School. Mark helped create a platform used to teach finance at prominent business schools. He is the author of the book, The Career Toolkit, and works with many nonprofits, including Techie Youth and Plant a Million Corals. Welcome to the show, Mark. Thank you so much for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. I love the plant a million corals. I, I might have to ask you about that later in the in the show. I'm from Hawaii, so anything about the ocean that's kind of keeping it going, I, I'm in. So I, I may have to ask you a question about that. Sure. All right. So let's get started. Uh, I like to start uh, the podcast off with something I call bullish and bearish. No, nothing too painful. Bullish is you're for it. Bearish is you are against it. Uh, are you ready? I'm ready to go. All right. First one. Flying cars, bullish or bearish? On eventually having them, um, bullish. On having them soon, um, bearish. All right. All right. Some are talking about 2025. Somebody's trying to do one in Orlando, which I think is fairly aggressive, but I, I think I'm with you. All right. Uh, the next one, um, virtual reality workouts. I am bullish because as I have spent the last few months in my Manhattan apartment, I'm using VR to get up off the couch and get some exercise and fun, although I'm doing mostly games, not for the <laughs> workouts. But yes, this this is a thing. All right. All right. And the third one, a little more fun, robots, ballroom dancing. <laughs> you know, we we might get there. I know there are robot jockeys, but it's just not going to look as good, despite what Boston Dynamics just did. It's just not as good as what we do in person. All right. Well, there, there's a story there, Mark, if you want to share the ballroom dancing connection. I was a competitive ballroom dancer for a number of years in my 20s. I went to national championships. I used to compete on the MIT ballroom team. So ballroom's definitely near and dear to my heart. But uh, robots have a long way to go before they replace us on the dance floor. All right. Fair enough. Well, maybe they become your partner. Let's 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 think broader. <laughs> Robot training, maybe. Maybe we can buy it with a VR ballroom dance training. There might be something there. There you go. There you go. All right. Well, there was a really specific reason uh, I was excited to have you on the show today. You know, we're coming into 2021. Uh, it was a hectic year last year. Many people are out of work. Many people are trying to figure out what to do with their careers and, and sort of what's next for them. And I, and I thought it was a perfect opportunity to really dig into your book, The Career Toolkit. Um, and, and kind of, you know, where you would begin somebody, I know that there's places, uh, that we could start, but first and foremost, uh, you know, when, when you talk about career, what does that mean to you? To me, a career goes beyond just your job. It's your overall plan for where you want to be spending a good portion of your life at your job, what you want to be doing, not just today, but tomorrow and in the future. And it's job titles, but it's also engagement and learning and development and just having a more holistic plan than just what's my job today. 
Yeah, I agree. And I, you know, I, I have said many, many times that like my career path, like in my twenties was like, whatever, however I can make some money, (laughs) you know, in my thirties, I was like, okay, how much sort of can I progress in my career and how quickly that both from a title and a money perspective, um, in my forties, I was kind of like, oh, is this it? Like, is this, is this, is this what I aspired to do? Uh, You know, from a, just a, pure career perspective. And then in my fifties, it was more of, uh, instead of like consuming was how do I contribute? And so that was sort of my career path unbeknownst to me. I did not sort of map that out. When I look back, I feel like that's what it was. And I often get asked, did I ever write down a career plan? Do you think people should do that? Absolutely. Consider a company has any company ever said, you know what, we don't need a plan. Let's just wing it. We'll see where it goes. You really can't plan for this kind of stuff. Now, a career plan, it's not a guarantee. It's not set in stone. It's not, I've set it down and now I have to follow it to the letter. But as Eisenhower once said, plans are worthless, but planning is everything. And so the act of creating the plan is going to more likely lead you towards the goals. You're going to learn about yourself by creating that plan. And of course, you're going to alter the plan many, many times throughout your career. And all that together, I think, will increase your chances of success. What if somebody doesn't know what they want to do? I mean, I think that like when I said 20s, you know, my 20s, I was sort of like, however, I can make a little money. I didn't know what I wanted to do. And I kind of found my way. But I feel like many people put a lot of pressure on themselves of figuring out exactly what they want to do and then mapping that plan out. But what if you don't know? A career plan does not begin with, I want this job. And in fact, to your point, many people don't know what they want. They usually have some idea what they don't want, but they don't know what they do want. Your career plan begins by asking a number of questions about your life. How much income do you need? What type of lifestyle do you want? Do you want a a rigid schedule, a flexible one? Where do you want to live? Because certain industries are more or less common in certain geographies. You think about things like family planning. You even think about what type of environment you might want to be in. There are people who say, I don't want to be chained to a desk. I want to do something where I'm in the field. And others say, you know what? Just put me in a room where I don't have to deal with many people. And as you start to think about these questions, it's going to guide you. It won't necessarily say this is the title for you, but it's going to help direct you. And when you pull into that input from other people you talk to, you start to hear, well, this is what I like and don't like. And people are going to start to say, why don't you explore this area? And that's going to help you refine it. So don't feel you absolutely, I need to know my job title before I can start planning. I agree. And I think job titles get people very wrapped around the axle, right? Because like my job title is one of those conversation pieces. Like people are like, what is your title? I'm like, "Mm, customer growth and innovation evangelist. They're like, what does that even mean? I'm like, "Eh, you know, what does it mean to you? You know what I mean? It's like, it it was, it was very ambiguous on purpose, right? Because it gave me a lot of leeway, but uh, you know, I think the other thing that I found uh, interesting early in my career that I, that served me well was I became a student of my profession, like whatever it was I was doing. I would read a lot. Back then there was not podcasts and YouTube and all the things that we now have at our disposal. While there was the internet, it wasn't as robust as it is today. 
And, and, and I would say that, that kind of learning beyond your role is really critical. Like what, and what does that mean to you? Cause I know you talk about it in the book, that sort of learning beyond the role you're in today. So many people say I'm an accountant, I'm in customer success, I'm a programmer. And so I need to learn about what's happening in this role. And certainly you do. Myself, I work in technology and the technologies I'm using today didn't exist 20 years ago. So you always have to keep up with what's happening in your role. But to be more effective, you should understand not just your role, but the larger organization you're in. If you and your role understand what's happening in other departments within sales and marketing and customer success and product, then you can take your unique abilities and when product comes to you and says, you know, we're seeing opportunities here, you can say, oh, that's really interesting. I know if we do it in this certain way, it's cheaper or faster or better, and you can help enhance the, what they're doing and create more value for your company. Likewise, don't just focus on your company. Think about the industry. Think about your suppliers, your customers, your partners, what's happening in their industry what's happening that might create opportunities or disruption for them, and how can your company then capitalize on that? This is not just an exercise for the senior leadership. This is what every one of us should be doing. As you yourself noted, it's being a student of your profession. Absolutely. And, and I think that when you um, look at the last sort of 12 months we've had, we, we um, at Salesforce, we had done some research at a global scale of about 15,000 people actually around the globe talking about sort of what are they thinking and feeling at this time about their job and the future of work. And the, you know, outside of the things that employers needed to do, like keeping employees safe on the employee side, it was also a lot about reskilling, rethinking my career. Maybe I need to learn something totally different. How do I even approach that, right? Do I go to online learning? Do I, you know, watch YouTube? Do I, you know, what do I do to allow me to further my career? Uh, and, you know, do you have any thoughts about, you know, if you're looking to, especially now, right, reskill yourself or you're in, in charge of a department, you know, or a group of people and you want them to reskill, what, what does that look like? I'll first jump up on my soapbox for half a second to say, I think our entire society needs to shift how we train because the model of you're 22, you finish your education, now start your career, no longer works. But let me get off the soapbox and now let's talk about practically what can you do. Obviously, individually, we can follow YouTube, listen to podcasts, read books and learn. But in fact, we need organizations, whether it's our companies or us individually creating it, to create learning groups. And for the skills in my book in particular, they're not best learned just by listening to podcasts. If you want to learn Excel macros, if you want to learn what are the new accounting regulations for 2021, you can hear a lecture, you can read a blog. But when you're looking at these skills such as leadership or communication, negotiating, building your network, there's no simple do ABC and you're done. So working with other people, creating, you can think of the reading groups you had back in school and having that discussion to get the multiple perspectives. This is what's done at business schools. This is how they teach it. And so within your organizations, you can replicate this simply by saying, let me get some other people together, peers in my department or across departments, or if you're at a small company, 
just find friends in, in other places and say, let's together start to explore these topics and discuss and share ideas. And that's the most effective way to learn these skills. What a great idea. It's kind of like a book club, right? With learning. Uh, and, and even in some way you could kind of look at it as gamifying that, right? When you get a group of people together, it gets a little competitive. You know what I mean? Like you fuel off of each other versus, you know what? I, I think that that going back to what you said, I, I also agree. I think there's a lot that can be done to enhance and modernize our education system for sure. Uh, and, you know, this kind of collaborative learning, um, I'm a visual listen learner. I'm not a read learner. And so in that scenario, if I was on a, you know, a Zoom call with five people, we were talking about how do we improve our negotiation skills? And we were all talking about that. Like, that's the way I would learn versus if you said, go read this book on negotiating, wouldn't be as impactful for me. Exactly. And again, it's a very important distinction in our learning because certain skills you can learn just by that broadcast method, just by reading or listening a, a one-to-many broadcast. But a lot of these more complex, subtle skills that are going to advance us up our career, that's where you really have to have the more interactive experience. And you're going to have to create that within your organization. It doesn't take a lot of effort, but it's creating those small groups to have those discussions and get the multiple perspectives. What do you think people get most mm, incorrect, get most wrong when it comes to their career, career planning, reskilling? when it's time for them to maybe make a pivot, make those hard decisions, you know, get out of being comfortable, get out of being a, in a rut. What, what do you think the biggest mistake people make in, in, in that situation is? They don't plan ahead. And so I'll use the analogy of driving. I remember when I was first learning to drive and my mom said, look 30 feet ahead of you, right? Look what's coming because you don't suddenly say, oh, I'm in the intersection, quick, turn the wheel, hard left right? You, you plan ahead for what's coming up. And so many people do this in their careers. The most obvious case is with networking. And people say, okay, I need a new job. Hmm, time to go network. Nope. Your, your network's not going to be as useful because networking is about building relationships. There's a great quote by Harvey Mackey, uh, who has a book of the same title, which is Dig Your Well Before You're Thirsty. And at a larger level, we also see when you're thinking, I need to career pivot, I might want to shift in this area. That's not something you do in three months or even six months necessarily. You can, but that's that hard left turn. If you just think a few years ahead, if you're looking that 30 feet down the road, you start to say, you know, technology is changing my industry in this way or globalization or whatever the factors are. And by the way, you don't have to figure this out on your own in those discussion groups talk with other people, get their input. But when you say, here's the direction it's going, okay, I think this is where I want to head in the next two, three years, five, 10 years, you start to say, what do I need to position myself that way? What are the skills? What do I need in my network? Who are the people I need to know? How do I need to gain a certain experience to set myself up for those opportunities? So a little planning ahead is going to make you much more effective as you do those wiggles or even hard pivots in your career. Well, so now I'm going to shift a little bit. I'm going to shift to, I have a job, right? I'm working at a company. I like where I work. I want to do more. So internally actually creating a career plan versus it sort of being this, I have to move 
to get my career plan going, you know, change companies, change industry, whatever it might be versus, um, you know, I'm working at this company. I love where I work and I, and I want to create a career progression for myself here and create those networking relationships internally and learn, you know, is there a difference between that when you're saying I'm looking externally for those things versus internally? At a macro level, I would say no. It's just a question of who signs your paycheck and whether it's the same company or a different company or whether you're a W-2 or 1099, that's between you and the IRS. But really from your own career plan, you're saying I'm here and where I want to be in the next two years, five years, I want this type of role. If you can find it within your organization, fantastic. It's usually easier. But either way, you're saying, okay, here's where I want to be. These are the skills I want to develop. Now, at a micro level, there are some advantages in that when you're within the company, if you're in one department and you want to gain more exposure to another, you can start by literally walking over to that department once we get back in our offices. Right now, maybe popping a, a message on Slack or on a Zoom call, but just getting to know the people. You can build out your internal networks, and internal networking is just as important as external networking. You can also talk to your manager or HR and start to get involved in projects that may begin to give you skills moving you in the direction you want to go. So at a macro level, it might not be different, but internally you can do smaller shifts to start getting you in that direction. Yeah. And, and I, this leads me to sort of the mentor champion conversation. And I get asked this a lot, you know, okay, I'm internal, you know, I'm, I'm looking to sort of do things. I need a mentor. And, and I've always leaned into champions. Uh, I've had mentors over my career, but what do you think, what is your thoughts, I guess, if you agree with mentor versus champion and what that means to you and, and, and how those could possibly be used in your career progression? I was just on a, a show earlier today and they quoted uh, the, I think, chief executive of Intel, some senior Intel person who talked about mentors versus um, something similar to champion. It wasn't the word. And I actually think that's a subtle but important distinction. You can think of mentors almost like your professors in college. Mentors you should pick because they are going to help you grow and learn. And so it might be someone in your company, but it could also be someone outside who has zero influence within your organization, but they can help you understand your profession or industry better. They can help you develop your skills, such as leadership or communications or other things that you're looking to develop, even if they have no influence. Then there's also the concept of a champion. It's also been called a rabbi, which is someone who is senior in the organization someone who behind closed doors is advocating for you. When the, the big bosses are in their meeting and saying, who should we assign to this project? Right. Your mentor, she's going to speak up for you and say, hey, let's put Carol on this project. Right? Carol, you didn't even know this discussion was taking place, let alone you were nominated for it. And so having an advocate is also helpful. In some cases, it may be one the same, but it doesn't have to be. And don't feel that I can only pick mentors who can advocate for me, or I can only build, I should only focus on advocates who can teach me things. They both have uses and don't have to be the same person. 
Yeah. And I, I would tell you that that's exactly the example I would have given, right? Where someone's sitting around there, oh, I want someone to do this project. And oh, hey, what about Tiffany? And, and that person is my champion, not someone I have a formal mentorship relationship with. But creating that network uh, sometimes is overwhelming and daunting, especially if you're an individual contributor, you're not a you know senior leader or a manager. Or, and so how do people navigate that? If I'm an individual contributor, right? And I say, I want to be a manager someday, or I aspire to be a VP or an SVP or an, you know, pick an acronym or even a CEO, or eventually you want to leave and become an entrepreneur of your own business, building the confidence to go and sort of establish those relationships. Any, any advice there? It is much easier than we think. And networking is really a mindset more than anything else. There's no secret formula, oh, I have to do things this way. It's having that mindset. And this is a great time to start that. So it's 2021, it's a new year, and you can reach out to people starting in your organization and say, hey, Tom, for 2021, I'm really trying to just get to know more people in the company and really what it is they do and understand the different parts of the company better. So it'd be great if you've got some free time in the next couple of weeks, can we just set up a coffee? And for some people, maybe you say, my goal is I'm going to have two meetings a week. Maybe you say it's it's in the morning, it's 8.30 to 9. That commute time that I'd normally be in my car, that is now my coffee time. And each day I'm going to find someone different. Or it could just be from time to time, opportunistically, you say, oh, you know, I was just in a meeting with Cynthia. Hey, Cynthia, um, you know, you had some interesting points in that meeting. You know, I'd really just love to learn more about how your organization, your department thinks about this. And so you can reach out and start to foster those relationships. You can do the same thing externally as well, in which you say it's 2021. Should old acquaintance be forgot? So <laughs> going forward, I'm going to be doing coffees every morning or once a week and just reconnecting with friends and people, you know, professionally to rebuild those relationships. Yeah, I love that idea of, you know, if you are still, if you're listening to this and you're still working from home and not working from the office and you had commute time to use that commute time for this kind of career uh, discussion with, with yourself or with that uh, learning group or, you know, it's this networking or champion or conversations, like really taking that time to work on yourself. And, and I think that it doesn't need to be every day, but I think if you make that commitment to the time, um, you know, over a, a period of time, six months, 12 months, you'll really start to notice the difference. This is not a short-term play, correct? Oh, not at all. This is, this is absolutely long-term. Do not expect to see results immediately. Right. Okay. So now that's the individual. Now I'm, you know, I'm listening and I'm a leader, I'm a manager. And I actually, I'm not very good at having those career development conversations with my people. Right. So, you know, it's, it's, there's the famous quote that people don't leave companies, they leave managers. And so it's really a, the responsibility of a manager to make sure that they're fostering uh, that kind of career development, even if it means that you're career developing someone to leave, right? But ultimately it might leave your group, but stay in the company. It may be leave your company altogether. But as a manager, what would you say are the best pieces of advice you could give to make sure that they're showing up for their people in these conversations? And by the way, I've even helped my people move on from my company because good managers will do that. And the rest of your team will recognize this is a manager who cares about me. That short-term cost is, I believe, generally offset by the loyalty and appreciation you'll get from the rest of your team. 
and how that will attract other people to your team. To managers who aren't good with this, and if you don't have a lot of support from HR, I'm going to recommend doing something like getting a book. And yes, I'd love if you get my book, but honestly, you can use any book. Get some type of career book and have your group read it. And if you all read it together, if nothing else, now you have a common language. Now you can say, oh, you know, I was reading this book and chapter six talks about the following. So this year, I'd really like to develop these chapter six skills. Or as a manager, you can say, you know, here's the, the five key points of this book. So when I talk to my employees, I'm going to say, let's talk about A, B, C, D, E. And your employees will understand exactly what you mean because you have that common framework. So pick a book, whether it's mine or another, read it as a group. And now you all have that common language. I am a huge fan of that idea. You know, I went round and round in my book. Uh, I, was, I wanted to do something called Monday Morning Huddle at the end of each chapter and it, you know, sort of using the sports analogy that <laughs> let's get the team together on Monday morning. We had this Monday morning huddle and we, and, and I've read the chapter. Uh, I'm either on the team or I'm the leader. Right. And we talk about that topic. What do you think? What do you think? I read it and I thought this, it really made me, blah, 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 right. And you create that kind of commonality, taxonomy, uh, understanding you're opening the, up the opportunity for people to share really good. I know you spend some time about mental models. Uh, you know, I've had Mark Bonchek on and uh, he has a great book out talking about kind of the power of having diversity in, in of thought and mental models, right? That that's really a way to com compete. And so allowing introverts to share what they think and then giving them the space and permission to do it. And I think with this time that we have from a, from a work from home remote perspective, I, you know, I, I worry that sometimes People are isolating in feeling like I'm just hanging on. I can't even think about a career and I wouldn't dare leave at the risk of, you know, potentially going somewhere where then I'm the last, you know, man or woman in. So I'm the first one out if something goes wrong. You know, I think there's a lot of trepidation about what to do at this time. So I love that idea of getting together as a group and really learning, um, you know, as a team. And if you spend that hour every week or every other week, what you're doing is you're building engagement among your employees. You're reducing that isolation you mentioned, and your employees will appreciate that you're looking at them, not just what can you do for me today, but how are you helping me? I put on my website actually free downloads for how you can create these plans within your own organization. There's a lot of different approaches that you can use. So it's very easy. It's turnkey to set these things up. Excellent. Well, Mark, it's been an absolute pleasure. So you just mentioned one thing uh, that people can do after listening to this, but is there anything, any other ways that they can follow you, blogs or podcasts or uh, obviously your book, but any, anything else you'd like to share with our listeners that they can keep in touch with you? If you come to my website, thecareertoolkitbook.com, you can get in touch with me, follow me on social media, download the free app that's a companion to this book and will help reinforce these skills or you can download any of the other free resources that's gonna help you build this type of program and further the development either for yourself or for your organization. Well, excellent. Well, thank you, Mark Hirschberg, for being on the What's Next podcast. Uh, everybody who listened and enjoyed it, please pick up his book, The Career Toolkit. Uh, it's been a pleasure uh, listening to you and learning from you today. So thank you for joining us. Thank you for the wonderful conversation. What a fun conversation with Mark Hirschberg. 
I couldn't think of a better topic to begin this year with than thinking about your career. I hope you found a lot of really great suggestions and nuggets to carry forward in 2021 for yourself, especially the learning groups. I thought that was a great idea. Think about a book club with your friends around career. Let me know how it goes. Drop me a note on LinkedIn or Twitter. I appreciate you spending time with us here today on the What's Next podcast. Please subscribe, leave some feedback, and I'll look forward to having you join me again soon. Have a great day.